Hello, everyone. This week, we are going to be talking about glassware, not the things you put on your eyes, the things that we drink our wine out of. Um, we will learn what I drink my wine out of sometimes, as well as uh, maybe hear a little bit about why we should change that up. And maybe we'll throw in some fun um, facts about uh, what kinds are out there and everything else. So I'm really excited about this topic. Um, I didn't think I would be, to tell you the truth, when Haley proposed this topic to me. I was like, oh, okay, how, how, how long can we talk about glassware for? But um, when I was doing some research, I found out some really cool, interesting things. So hopefully we'll have fun with this. So I'm Haley. This is Ashley. We are Whole Cluster Conversation. Should we care about the glass that we're drinking out of? <laughs> we should care. If you care about the wine that you're drinking, or I should say the beverage that you're drinking, you should care about the glass that's delivering that to your mouth. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> there's um, there's actually scientific research that shows that certain types of glasses um, will direct your beverage to different parts of your mouth and your tongue. And it actually enhances or detracts from the overall experience you have with that beverage. Um, not just wine, whiskey, Coca-Cola even. <laughs> There's what? different. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there is, you know, we as um, like everyday consumers, we just want to make sure we have a, a basic quality glass, but mm -hmm. you can get really into the weeds of um, like having a specific glass for a specific type of wine or specific region. Um, that's what Riedel is probably the most famous glass um, wine glass maker, but that's what they're famous for. But that doesn't mean that every time you drink wine, you need to have a varietal specific glass. Um, if you have a basic quality wine glass, it's going to give you most of what you need in order to have a, a top-notch experience. Maybe not like the pinnacle experience, but definitely like very, very high quality experience. Okay, so essentially, if we're paying any amount of money for wine, maybe more than $5 from, you know, like, you know, the drugstore or whatever. <laughs> Um, that, but even maybe so with that, that we want to have, um, a glass, a, a, a particular type of glass and, and care about that so that we are getting the best experience out of drinking that wine versus, right. um, you know, like me, <laughs> I drink my $80 bottle wine out of a mug. But sometimes that's all you have. Yes. Like, you know, you're camping or, yeah, I go camping with bottles of wine. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I just got I mean, back like, from a river trip and I will admit that all of the sparkling wine that we brought, um, uh -huh. I didn't have a flute or a tulip to drink it. So I was drinking it out of either like my camping stainless steel coffee mug or yeah I did take one plastic flute flute yeah um, I was but gonna even say that the... is like meh, meh. <laughs> yeah so when we're talking about glassware 
And like you just brought up a good point about like different materials. Like, materials. Does that make a difference? Because I know. So, I mean, maybe we should step back a little bit, but there's different, like you mentioned the flute, there's different shapes and mm-hmm. that's going to um, influence your experience. But does the different materials make a difference too? Like having yeah. plastic versus glass, thickness of glass versus like metal? Yes, yes. It all does make a difference. So yeah, let's start with materials and then we can kind of do a general shape. Um, okay. And and when we talk about shapes, we can maybe talk about like the anatomy of a wine glass. And okay. um, so yeah, uh, materials, One of when you're enjoying wine, well, mm-hmm. okay, even stepping back one step further, I am not, like I just said, I took s- some really nice sparkling wine on the river and enjoyed it, completely enjoyed it out of a plastic flute and a stainless steel container. That is possible. And I think that it's, um, you don't need to like beat yourself up about using the exact right glass for every single occasion because you can mm-hmm. still enjoy plenty of wine out of crappy glass or crappy like other vessels because mm-hmm. it's not necessarily it's the wine is still going to be top quality you might not notice little nuances um yeah but the wine is still going to be top quality and usually as no matter how much you're enjoying a wine it's kind of like the people and the experience outside of that particular wine that that you're hopefully going to be remembering <laughs> yeah so um don't beat yourself up if you don't have top quality glassware Basically, you can still enjoy it. It's yeah. just the nuances. And it's like getting at some of the like special parts of the wine that Completely. you might not know. And that's where like the material, the shape, whatever, all of those different things with your glassware. Right. Kind of so in, in terms of material, when you're looking or when we talked about this in our um, tasting episode, there's a couple of things that you do before you even um, taste a wine. So mm-hmm. you look at it. If you can't yeah. see the wine in your glass, if it's not a clear container, you've got a problem already. Um, because the way what the wine looks like is going to give you clues for a couple different things, like how old the wine is, if it's sparkling, if it's um, uh, how viscous it is, you know, like how much, how what the alcohol content might be, things like that. Um, so if you can't see it in a clear receptacle, then there's that's an issue. Um, plastic is clear, but yes. plastic, um, the next thing that we typically do is we smell our wine. And plastic is notorious for um, uh, like holding on to odors. So oh, interesting. Yeah. So like once you wash your plastic glasses a couple of times and then you're like smelling them and then you smell your glass or crystal glasses, you'll notice that the plastic takes on kind of some different smells. Um, Okay. And plastic um, has a different, um, I don't know all the terms, but like the physics of it, the the wine is going to like cling to the plastic differently than it clings to glass or crystal. Yeah, there's probably some chemical... Right, some chemistry, something or other. <laughs> I, I'm just tension. thinking about bonds and like yeah. how, yeah, and porosity of the material. Right. Um, I gave a big smile just a moment ago because I was thinking that kind of a fun analogy that just popped into my head is it sounds like you're saying 
part of the importance of the tasting experience and therefore like the wine vessel is having it's like good communication and having a conversation with your wine and if you can't (laughs) see your wine then there's like you can still communicate with it but there is just a level of that communication that is missing it's kind of like you know this last year with wearing masks like can't see their lips yes there's everyone started realizing that there's just levels of communications that's missing you can still do it but it's just not as good of an experience you're missing those nuances (laughs) yeah yeah completely that's a really good analogy cool so that's materials i think um is a good so the other thing about materials um one last thing about them is uh glass versus crystal So that's um, when I've helped put on glass classes in the past, that's a big question. Like, so what's the difference? And um, the way I understand it, (laughs) I'm not a glass expert, um, is crystal is basically a type of glass that has um, different um, things that are that are part of the glass that make it stronger. So you can actually get a thinner the glass can be thinner because it has these other things in it. I think it's actually, they're types of metal, um, like lead. Um, Mm -hmm. So you actually add that to your glass before you, you blow the bowl of the, of the glass or um, now most glass or crystal now is actually made in like molds, but um, that's why they're all exactly the same. Um, So with that thought, like crystal does have stuff in it, Typically, it's very safe, but um, that's why it can be thinner and typically is is known to be the um, better um, thing to use. I just did a Google tr- search of glass versus crystal, and it said glass is typically made thicker and more durable. You know, we know that because you break crystal easily. Um and then the added materials in crystal include lead, magnesium, and or zinc. zinc. Yeah. So the other good thing in my world is glass is dishwasher safe, not crystal. <laughs> <laughs> That's when people ask me, you know, I want to I want to invest in some really good glassware. What should I look for? My first question is, well, do you want a hand wash or do you want a dishwasher wash? Because that yeah. is a big thing. Um and most people don't want to do hand washing. Um, the second question, uh, or the yeah, the second thing I tell them to think about is where are you going to store them? Because mm-hmm. sometimes wine glasses can be really big, and so you get like you know a wine glass that's so tall and they don't fit in your cupboards. Um, yeah. So that's uh, we have a couple of about. our wine glasses that are in special places because yeah. they don't fit with the other wine yeah. glasses. So. Another thing um, that I think people don't think about when they are investing in glassware is um, you should, if you have nice glassware, you should own a polishing cloth. <laughs> uh, that was going to be my next question was I was going to say, so I know that even with washing glasses, that you should polish them. And what is the reason for polishing? Um, it just gets rid of any of those um like watermarks on the glass so you can see the wine better. And it, um, especially on the inside of the glass, it means that there's not going to be, um, for sparkling wine or, um, 
if you're looking at viscosities of wine, um, there's not going to be a nucleation point for the sparkling wine. So like if your glass is dirty and you Mm -hmm. pour sparkling wine into it, you'll see the bubbles fizz from the dirty spots. Um, So if you polish, that's not a problem. And sometimes it's not that they're dirty. It's just that they've got these kind of water spots or like calcium deposits, things like that, that we get in our dishwashers or um, from our drinking water and tap water. And could that change the, the taste of the wine then? Um, I don't know if it can change the taste of the wine. I would assume no, that it's going to be like a small enough amount, but I'm, I don't, I don't know exactly. So I think we've been beating around the bush and we've kind of said it, but like, let's say to the point of like, so when you, these different shapes of wine glasses, let's, let's get into what those are, but, um, they're basically helping you smell the wine differently and taste the wine differently, communicate with the wine, right. as I said earlier. So I think the basic difference is having red versus white wine glasses. I feel like that's kind of like tier one difference. Yeah. <laughs> what is the basic difference between red versus white, right. white wine glasses? So yes, red and white wine glasses are the bowl of the glass, which is what Mm -hmm. you pour the wine into, is more or less the same shape generally. But sometimes with red wines, it's a much bigger, like more fish bowl. Um, And sometimes with white wines, it's a little more thin. The, when I've talked to people that work for Riedel, Mm -hmm. their explanation about white wine versus red wine, um, the shape of the bowl is... With red wine, you want the wine to hit your tongue um, and be able to kind of wash over your tongue. Um, and with white wine, because it's such a high acid, so you typically so much higher acid than red wine, you want it to focus mo- mostly on the center of your tongue. So that's oh, okay. why the opening of a white wine glass, the bowl, the opening of the bowl that you drink out of is typically more narrow than a red wine glass. It's not... not for the aromas, it's actually so that it's focusing the wine into your mouth so that it's not washing over your tongue like a red wine would. And the next time that... that Interesting. I thought it was all for aromas. Right? <laughs> but that makes sense. That makes sense. So if the bowl is even slightly like tilted in at the top, um, the, mm-hmm. it's going to capture a lot of those aromas so that you can smell them. Um a good good examples of glasses that don't capture aromas, champagne flutes, mm-hmm. and um, especially the the champagne coupe. That's like what we um, think of as like a vintage wine glass. Mm-hmm. Um, fun if you're uh, talking with a bunch of glassware people. Supposedly, the coupe was um, being used in the late 18th century in France, and mm-hmm. it was modeled after Marie Antoinette's breast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a that's a fun for fact you. for the um, day. Marshall likes to tell people it's actually like a champagne flute that was modeled uh. after Marie Antoinette's breast. And everybody's like, what? <laughs> so not the case. <laughs> and that I think is just some lore. Um, but ah, uh, who sorry. knows? <laughs> It took me a moment to get that visual and then it was there and I just like couldn't get it out. <laughs> so um, 
but yeah, so um, those are good examples of wine glasses that are not tapered in a little bit at the top. So you lose mm-hmm. a lot of the aromas, just they, they don't, they're not captured in the glass at all. So you can't um, pick them up as well with your schnoz. Um, Which makes sense because like bubblies, when you stick your nose in there, sometimes then you're like, oh my word, right. like you just got to take a breath. Like it's too much. Yeah. So it's good to like have that go out and then enjoy it. It's also why we um, at 3100 though, we've started using tulips because they are mm-hmm. tilted in a little bit and you do get more of that aroma. Um, we were using white wine glasses for a while, but there is a difference for sure, and enjoying that wine. <laughs> okay. Um, what kind of white wine glasses were you using? We were uh, we were just experimenting. We ordered some Scotch Weissels. Um, okay. So Riedel is the most popular, I would say, um, in terms of what people know for wine glasses. Scott, but it's just a brand, correct? That's a brand. But they yeah. have made their, their modern, because <laughs> they are an extremely mm-hmm. old company, or there's iterations of the company that go back to like the, I think, yeah, the 18th century. Mm-hmm. But they um, have really, their modern iteration of the company this century after World War II has really focused on the varietal specificity of wine and making mm-hmm. sure that each wine, if you have like a Syrah, it should go in a Syrah glass. If you have a uh, Pinot Noir from um, Oregon. It should go in this Oregon Pinot Noir glass instead of a oh. Russian River Valley Pinot Noir glass. Um, and how are those differences? Sometimes they're not different, but sometimes they have, you know, like there's more of a flare to the to the lip of the glass or there's the bowl is bigger because they have more... I don't know but exactly. how much of this is just like, I mean, I got to ask the question. How much of this is just a marketing ploy versus like an actual thing? Like, I know that you mentioned at the top, like there is some science that goes into this. And I get like the basic anatomy of a glass, like with the bowl and the stem and like, you know, there's the base, but like, <laughs> um, like the bowl, especially like, okay, maybe the difference. And then what you're saying about how it's tapered in and out. But then I start looking at it and it's like, it's two inches by three inches. Right. And like, how much does that small nuance really make a difference? It does. Um, but, uh, so the the thing that I can say is if you have a chance to taste the same wine out of several different, especially Riedel glasses, mm-hmm. you will notice a difference. Okay. And at some point you'll find a glass that you say, this wine tastes the best out of this glass. Okay. That being said, I don't, I don't know that it's going to, um, I'm not the type of person that's going to have a hundred different types of wine glasses at my house to then yeah. like, f- but if I know that um, a certain white wine tastes really good out of um, one of our red glasses, then yeah, mm-hmm. I'll encourage people like, hey, you should try this in the red glass instead because it changes the way that it, the wine tastes or the way it hits okay. your palate. It doesn't change the way it tastes. It just changes the way that you perceive the wine. Okay. Um, okay. And an interesting thing to do if you don't have red and white glasses at home, because um, mm-hmm. you can even do it with red and white glasses, like pour your white wine into a white glass, pour the same white wine into a red glass, pour the same white wine into like a really cheap um, 
mug. <laughs> mug or you can put it into a wine glass that's like you know from the dollar store that doesn't you know isn't going to be made of crystal or isn't going to be um um it's not going to have the same edge that's a very important thing too a rolled edge um on the lip of your glass is um the wine kind of tends to roll down that edge rather than being kind of shot into your mouth um, oh, I thought that was just for the comfort of the drinker on the lips. I'm not <laughs> joking. I really did. I thought it was like, well, because like um, I'm thinking of mugs and how yeah. some mugs have that rolled edge. And I really, maybe there is something with the flavor, but I do feel <laughs> like there is something with the niceness of drinking out of that. So with your wine, you don't want, you want a cut, uh, not a cut edge, but a, uh, I don't. Blunt edge? A blunt edge? Not a rolled edge. You want um, that kind of, uh, yeah, I guess a hard edge. Um, it's very, like on wine glasses and crystal, you can you can tell um, if a glass is uh, good quality or not by if the fact that it doesn't have a rolled edge. Um, okay. Or a rolled Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but and that's you, again how it rolls off of the wine glass as you're and drinking into your it. mouth, right? But you can do this at home too. Like if you have those different glasses, a red and a white, um, you can. It's easier if you have somebody else <laughs> there to do it with you. But um, if the, if they are drinking out of that glass, you'll mm -hmm. see that a red wine glass. You don't have to really tilt your head to get the wine um, into your mouth, oh. but a white wine you do, and that's all part of the. Um, where you want the wine to hit so that you okay. get um, certain a certain experience from the wine that has to do with the way that the glass is directing that wine into your mouth. Is it also like a, again, getting back to your sensories of like, I think about wine, big red bowls um, and how like when you're drinking out of the bowl, like you kind of stick your nose down into it and then like, maybe like with the white wine you don't do that as I mean you still do that but then like if as you're tilting it it hits your nose more differently yeah too. it does um I don't know if that's uh intentional or just a byproduct of the shape of the glass <laughs> <laughs> okay well because you know if you're smelling more then that's gonna yeah. change your your overall flavor or completely flavor experience with drinking right um, I encourage wine. everyone like if you're remotely interested in this and you hear of a Riedel wine glass tasting mm -hmm. go and do it because um there's usually it's like wine shops um or wine bars will do them and mm -hmm. it's a great way even if you uh are, think that like this might be all bs you can go and see for yourself if it is and typically you pay a certain price and you actually get to um, sometimes take home the Riedel glasses that you get to taste out of. So you get to kind of nice. add to your glassware collection, which is kind of cool. I was just thinking, I mean, I'm still not a hundred percent on the fence <laughs> or, or like off the fence, whatever. I still, but um, I will say that I'm now going to go through my wine collect, my wine glass collection because I definitely went to the thrift store <laughs> and bought like a whole bunch of different types and shapes and whatever of glassware. But I will say that when I was looking through them, I felt like I 
kind of new enough to be like, this one seems cheaper. This one doesn't. Because, you know, you can still find really good yeah. things at thrift stores. Haley found LaCroix. LaCroix. Le no, Creuset. <laughs> Le Creuset. <laughs> It did. Just like set up once at a thrift store. So like, it's not like, oh, thrift store equals like a bad product. But um, it might even be somebody says, I don't drink whites. And we have a set of white Riedel glasses. I'm getting rid of them. (laughs) No, but what I was just thinking is what you were saying about drinking them out of different, like the same thing out of different glasses. Yeah. I mean, my husband's going to hate it because he has to wash all the dishes because I'm (laughs) allergic to dish soap. (laughs) But true story. Um, But at the same time, like, I think that that's where I'm going to start, Haley. I mean, I did go as far as like get different wine glasses and that's mainly for David because he was like, I don't really like this. And (laughs) I know David well enough to know like he is he has particular whiskey glasses right oh yes he does yeah he like spends money and slash his friends get him gifts of like whiskey glasses and i'm like it makes a difference how do these look different it's true and i think for me getting back to what i said earlier like it it's really the smell Mm -hmm. for the whiskey that i've noticed um i i probably just don't have as good of of some thinking about my tasting yet for it. But now I kind of want to do what you said and just like pull out a whole bunch of my glasses and just like pour them in a bunch of the different wine and then see see the difference. Do my own Riedel tasting yeah. of sorts, but with <laughs> all different brands yeah. that I have. So I think that's a good place that like we can all go. Um, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, first... You know, I say this like I have a ton of wine glasses. I really don't have a ton, a ton of wine glasses because I live in a very small house. And you drink your wine out of a mug. You don't need any glasses. (laughs) (laughs) They're just for your friends. (laughs) I have an extensive mug collection. You know, honestly, I think that the mug thing, like I understand drinking wine. Like I do understand that it tastes better and there is a better experience. <laughs> I think it really comes down to the fact that I tend to leave my glasses places and then I don't know where my glass is. And like, I know you can put those little dangly things, but I always forget what my dangly thing looks like <laughs> again on my wine glass. And so For me, the mug is like, that is Ashley's. Like, it's no mistaking that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle mug is Ashley's. Like, (laughs) yes. um, I think, which I know is horrible. So maybe if I just need to get wine glasses that I like, put a decal sticker. (laughs) No. And they're so that's something that is common in the industry. If you go to, wineries and do wine tastings a lot of times the winery will have um their own glassware with their logo etched on it yeah um and that's in terms of glassware that's like uh it's somewhere it's a gray area like you don't want anything to impede what you're looking at so the logo does even if it's etched on there it does impede that but it's really it doesn't really so yeah but um you could totally get a glass that is etched or has like a picture of a mug on it. 
<laughs> or I just need to be better about just putting those little dangly things and knowing like <laughs> which one's mine. I do have some really cool stir stick cocktail sticks from my grandma. Um, my grandma's in her 90s. And one time I discovered that she has a bar in her house. It's like... It's like a closet bar. I just like open this, <laughs> this, I've been going there, you know, forever. And then in my like late twenties, I open this closet area and then there's this magical bar <laughs> and she had, and then she was like, oh yeah, we need to clean that out. I don't deal with that. And I found all these old like stir sticks that she had. So I have like a cool collection of stir sticks. So I think I just need to invest in like, something that I understand is mine. And then it's like, you know, I will always get the um, seahorse with the top hat stir stick. I will always get the little like cool dangly to put um to my wine glass. And so uh, I know. Yes. that's like, that's honestly what it is. Because like when we go out to restaurants, when we go to tastings, I do understand like how the glasses make a difference. And I do see like, um, with David and his whiskey glasses, especially like the really nice thin ones are really are great. And like we even have ones that we got when we went to Scotland. And I see I know what you mean, because like they're not because they, you know, had put their little name on it. And it was like, oh, here's your free, you know, glass. But it's like they're not going to be spending you know, $25 on this glass that they're going to give out to you where David did spend $25 <laughs> on one glass to yeah. drink his whiskey out of. So yeah. no, um, it does. It makes a difference. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about like, I, I just wanted to touch on kind of, so the basic shapes, yeah. you know, I was looking at them. We talked about them like, I'm looking while you were talking, I was just looking at the whole like chart that I found online yeah. of like all the different or a bunch Shapes of different and, ones. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that there are more. And it does seem to me that most of it follows into like Pinot Noir, Bordeaux, Cabernet Sauvignon, like, you know, port. Uh, I don't know. I'm just rosé, flute. Tulip, you know, Sauvignon White, Chardonnay. Like it does follow into some of those like big types of wine. Um, right. But the other thing I wanted to say is there's like the tumblers and like how we've talked a lot about like that bowl shape mm-hmm. and like how that bowl shape really is for the different types of wine. But then how important is the stem, the stem length? Or the lack of stem in the experience. Yeah. So wine glasses, in theory, you could have stemless wine glasses and it wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, but I've heard your hand temperature can right. But if you think about the volatile like, experience of the wine. Yeah. And if you are setting it down and you're not like holding it by the bowl, um, mm-hmm. then in theory, it would be fine because you can swirl it, you can smell it, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but stems uh, are um, nice because you can hold on to them. So if you're at a dinner party, you can hold on to the stem mm-hmm. and not heat up the wine. Um, sometimes you'll see winemakers like holding a bowl of uh, mm-hmm. like a stem, uh, but holding a, a wine by the bowl of the glass and like swirling it around pretty vigorously, trying to warm it up. 
because sometimes if a wine is too cold, it's really hard to smell, things like that. Mm, okay. Um, okay. But so, yeah, that's a stem is important in that sense. Um, and then the foot of uh, glass, which is like what the stem sets on so that the wine mm. can. Oh, that's the, what it's called. Not the base <laughs> or base, base or foot. Um, okay is important just in the sense that you want it big enough and wide enough and sturdy enough so that things aren't like really falling over. Um, another, so that's function. Right. This foot completely. is really function. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that I, it, we kind of go through phases at our house. We obviously have a couple nice sets of glasses because we're doing tastings mm-hmm. and like writing notes and things like that. Um, yep. doing research, <laughs> R&D for the business. But then we also have some stemless that are really nice um, because they're not as precarious. They don't get in the way as much, <laughs> it seems mm-hmm. like, of, of people's flailing arms. Yeah. Um, so I I really like stemless. Um, but some people will say that Just that's not proper. Just don't hold them in your hand. Okay. Yeah. But and can... Do they, is there a difference with stemless for white versus red? I feel like whenever I see stemless, it's just, oh, I guess I have a stemless flute. I forgot about that. Yeah. Our yeah. realtor gave us a stemless <laughs> flute. Just one? <laughs> Two. Okay. <laughs> one for each of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can have stemless in anything. Um, okay. And yeah, a good example is flutes. Um, and then, um, there's different, you can get the different shapes, but typically like Riedel isn't going to spend as much money on different varietals of stemless glasses. So they'll have maybe a white and a red and a rosé that's slightly different, or maybe they'll have, you know, like more of a, um, like Riedel is also very much interested in the art of things. Mm -hmm. So, um, this falls under glassware. Um, so the, so the art in terms of, they don't want to just a utilitarian glass. It's like, this is a shape. They want it to look pretty. And that mm-hmm. also has translated into them making decanters that are truly works of art. Um, if you're Do you looking, actually drink out of them or are they a really artwork at that point? They No, they, they're supposed to be used, um, okay. but you pour your wine into them and then pour them into a glass out of that decanter. So instead of taking several hours to decant, typically it only takes you know, 30 minutes or so. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so they've got a really interesting technology plus the artistic side of it. Um, I will say if you are looking to purchase a decanter, my suggestion to you is to th- like talk about what we talked about at the beginning of this show, which is uh, are you willing to wash that decanter? And how yeah, much annoying. effort are you willing to put in to wash it? Because typically the big reds that you're using are going to leave a film of mm-hmm. the tasty mm-hmm. bits and other things. So eventually you are going to need to buy like a little scrubby thing to get in there and, and make sure that it does get clean. Um, so it just, yeah, I, I, we have a decanter. I love it. We use it. Um, mm-hmm. Not, not as much as we could by any means, but um but yeah, it's probably because it's hard to clean and I I don't like cleaning it. <laughs> we have a decanter and it has like this hole in the middle. So it like kind of looks like a pitcher or something. I don't, don't you, I don't even know. Somebody got it for us. Honestly, I just hated washing it so much that I just finally turned it into a flower container. <laughs> <laughs> That's another um, thrift store. You can find sometimes really nice decanters 
in the... Because people don't know what to do with them. And they don't know <laughs> what they are. So they put them in with all of the like um, big... Yeah, vases. Flower, yeah, vases and flower containers at the thrift store. So yeah. I've found several Riedel and other um, nice decanters yeah. at the thrift store. <laughs> I really like the ones like that have the giant like base that they're just kind of like flat and big base. But like ours, honestly, it just looks like this weird pitcher thing. And I just it's really heavy and I just don't like it. And so I just was like... <laughs> why are we doing this like yeah. I don't like this whole thing but I mean that's a good point and you know it's obviously made of glass because it's really thick and whatever yeah so yeah you you've mentioned Riedel a bunch of times but then you also kind of threw in a couple of other I mean obviously Haley has a bias here <laughs> <laughs> um but you also mentioned kind of in passing a couple other, but like, what is there a couple other main brands of glassware? So Riedel is, the reason I mentioned Riedel is they've, they have the, the, um, I guess they're the best marketers of the research and the differences that you can get. Um, but they are by no means the... Is that what that ISO tasting thing is? The universal... No. Um, okay. Okay. So, um, mind. (laughs) (laughs) I thought maybe that was it. Okay. So they have different tastings and they're somewhat, um, the modern fathers, um, because it's mostly the men in the family that have done things of, um, what we think of for wine glasses and the research behind it, or at least the start of the research. But some other companies that I really like that I think um, give you a good bang for your buck, because Riedel also, at this point, you're kind of paying for that that brand recognition. Um, Okay. So Scotch Weissel is another great, um, they're also an Austrian-based, I think they're Austrian-based, or maybe um, German. That's Z-W-E-I-S-I-L. And Scott spelled S-C-H-O-T-T. Um, so okay. it's Schweissel Crystal Glass, I think is the okay. technical name of their company. But Scott Schweissel is like their um, wine glass, um, I believe, um, line of okay. things. And um, do they only do crystal? Um, no, they're uh, a glass company. Um, so they, okay. yeah. Um, and then um, we actually, um, upgraded this year. Um, so we've used Scott, Scott's Weissel, but we've also mm-hmm. used Ravenscroft. Okay. Um, and, um, there's another one and I'm not remembering the name of it, but so there are other glass and crystal companies out there that are, um, just as high quality as Riedel. And typically because they're not quite as well known, you might get a slight price break. <laughs> okay. Because okay. um, yeah, Riedel is kind of like buying wine. Like once you get to a certain level, supply and demand dictate yeah. some of your pricing. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely have more of the, I mean, I got a Canyon cooler versus a Yeti cooler because yeah. it's just as good, but like it's, yeah, there's that level of paying for name recognition. And I Completely. mean- if you care about that, then great. And like, you know, or if you like just are like, hey, you guys are doing this really well and I do want to support that. But it's good to know that, you know, others could be making some pretty cool um, wine glasses. Yeah. I'm kind of curious now if there's any like local wine glasses. Or whatever. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think most of them come out of Germany just because around the in the Industrial Revolution, that was where a lot of the glass manufacturing okay. was perfected 
interesting aside. So the Riedel family has been making glass since at least the 18th century. Um, okay. But they were making, well, back then they were making like glass beads and they taught somebody from the um, Swarovski family like how to do things. And then they went off on their own and started Swarovski and are, you know, this huge company now. And then um, things, uh, Swarovski is like a, it's a, a glass crystal um, like you go, sometimes you're like in the airport and there's like these really like sparkly places you can oh. buy jewelry and other things. Anyway, um, beads, a lot of beads, like, like, uh, they'll put on gowns and things. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so then, um, the family, uh, so they're from Bohemia, which is now the Czech Republic. Um, and then things happened, their family changed. They were doing, um, instead of doing more artistic things, uh, during the mm -hmm. industrial revolution, they got into like very industrial things, making bottles and other things. And they still had an artistic side where they would decorate glass, but it became very, um, uh, like in the 19th century, pretty utilitarian mm -hmm. world war two came around. And, um, I think there were two brothers, but I'm not hundred percent sure. One, um, was uh, drafted into the German military and then was like caught and um, by American forces. <laughs> and yeah, and um, he ended up then making his way. He escaped from his prisoner of war camp um, and ended up in Austria of all places, met up with the Swarovski family and they were like, oh yeah, yeah, we know your family. Like mm -hmm. you can you can work for us and we'll help you get back on your feet. Um, so, and then I think it was his brother at the time was blowing these really big, um, I don't know what he was doing exactly, but the, um, German forces and then the Russian forces found out that he was a glass manufacturer and he could blow these huge, um, vacuum tubes, which were used in everything during like the world war II era. So, um, they, uh, took him to, well, I think he worked uh, for the, he was um, working in Germany and then he was, um, became a prisoner of war in Russia in the USSR for like 10 years. And mm -hmm. eventually he got out and made his way um, again to Austria and met up with his, like I said, I think they were brothers and they basically mm -hmm. reformed the Riedel company, the modern iteration of it. Um, into glassware. Right. And that one of them, Klaus was his name, was really mm -hmm. interested um, in the physics of like wine delivery and taste buds. And so he's the one that did, he did okay. like over 10 years of research before he even started manufacturing glasses that were supposed to be varietally specific. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think I think the history of the wine glass is really interesting. It was interesting to learn like, you know, I've been to Venice and that's definitely where like, you know, you see a lot of the glass stuff. And to me, it like makes a lot of sense that, you know, you have that emerging out of Venice. Um, and but it was cool to like kind of think about the the evolution of it. And one of the things, too, that I was reading was just like back in the 14, 15 even like 1800s, like wine glasses have gotten a lot bigger nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, and so they used to be really small. And so, um, you know, when people you'd say, oh, the people are drinking all the time, but they were drinking out of these tiny little glasses. <laughs> um, and so I think that's kind of interesting to think about it of like how we've 
learned more about wine. So we've changed the shape of, of the glass and like what we've been using. And then, um, also like apparently made bigger wine glasses. (laughs) So yeah, uh, like the ones that you can fit like the entire bottle in a glass, not that you want to, because again, the purpose is to like be able to have it air out and, and have it have that, um, fun flavor. Um, I think the last thing I would love to talk about to just kind of wrap it up, and this really gets at when I mentioned that we were talking about this to my husband, he was like, oh, yeah, the how much you fill it up is really important. He just like pulled out this fun fact. And so I would love to hear more about like pouring the wines into these glasses and thinking about that. And maybe more here, we've talked a lot about from the consumer side of things, but maybe even from the other side of things of like how the consumer is going to pour it out, but also like when you're doing tasting, how you, what you guys should be thinking about. Sure. Um, so we don't, um, I think it is important how full or empty your glass is when you pour a wine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, is there a line or some sort of indicator that helps you out? <laughs> sometimes there are lines etched in the glassware, but other times, uh, most of the time there's not, I should say. So wine professionals, I would assume, <laughs> um, the rule of thumb that I was taught, and I don't know if it's based in science, is um, you don't want to come necessarily like where that bowl starts to it tapers up and then it starts to taper in again. You don't necessarily okay. want to go beyond where it tapers in. So you can fill okay. up the bottom part of the bowl. Um, but then once it starts to taper up or yeah, um, in back in, um, it uh, that's too full basically. And um, that probably gets at that, like wanting those volatile ma- materials to go up and not mm-hmm. have that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so depending on the size of your glass though, um, you can get kind of variable pour sizes. Okay. Um, and I think that as a consumer doing this at home, feel, you should always feel free to, you know, fill up your glass as full as you want, but (laughs) you're, it's not like anybody's going to go and steal that bottle. (laughs) So, um, if you're at home, maybe just pour a shorter glass size and see how it changes in the glass instead of pouring. Like I, I like to pour just a couple, maybe like one and a half to two ounces in my wine glasses at home. Enjoy that Mm -hmm. and then pour again. It also helps to regulate the temperature of your wine and keep it the right temperature. For the, when you're at a tasting room or people that have tasting rooms, um, does that make a difference? I mean, obviously you want to keep the customer happy, but maybe to some degree it's like, Hey, I'm going to give you this small amount and then I'll like, give you a little bit more if you still want it oh completely but. there's like when you go to a restaurant or a tasting room and they pour you order a glass of wine um mm-hmm. especially if they put it into like a little tiny decanter measurer thing and then they only pour like half of that there's a reason part of it is to help you enjoy the experience and have like the, the glass of wine last long, longer but also they they don't want to overfill that glass of wine yeah 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 okay cool Well, Haley, is there any other last things or last pleas of why I should not be using a mug and things that we should just keep in mind? Um, I think that 
you should use your mug as long as you're enjoying that wine. But if you're trying to have that, uh, if you're writing tasting notes or having a, you want to have a top-notch experience or get all the nuances in a wine, or especially if you're comparing a couple wines, use um, use a decent glassware. It doesn't have to be the highest quality or specific to the varietal you're tasting or the region, but it is good to to have glassware that's going to enhance your experience rather than detract from it. Thanks. I really like that. And I like the idea of just trying out different wines in all my different glasses and seeing how those work out and maybe start, you know, finding out like certain wines taste better with certain ones. And maybe I want to try to drink a red wine out of a flute sometime (laughs) and see what that's like versus out of my ginormous glass, (laughs) like the size of my head. Um, So anyways, and then I want to just leave with this one thing is when I was doing some research on all of this, I really like Wine Folly was talking about like just um, universal cups and like how there's these ones that are and they said they're hipster cups and it just made me laugh I don't know why they said that but I just liked it so anyways about the ISO glasses I think so I don't know (laughs) (laughs) they are kind of a relic of a different time they're a relic of um research as well they're used a lot in in research because they're standard they're a standard size or a standard form so yeah even, yeah, you whether, can't add the other variables. Yeah, whether you're doing research in Italy or Washington State, if you order ISO glasses, they're the same. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Okay, well, with that, what are we going to be talking about next week? Next week, I want to learn about grazing from you. We um, have been, there's some new research out of California about using <clears throat> um, especially sheep to be Mm -hmm. grazed and um, how it affects your vineyard and practices. So write in. If you have questions about grazing, if you know of some research we need to check out, please write in at wholeclusterconversation at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer. Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Bogle. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen. Ciao.